What am I looking at? That's that life insurance policy I found. Who is the sole beneficiary listed? Anna Marie Dubois Hoffheinz. I found an article about Lady Anna. It tells the story about how her father, brother, and mother all died in a fire in a barn that used to be on the property. And she was the only one who survived. Hey. Want to know why Robert was in prison? Not particularly. He was convicted on seven counts of homicide in California. He claimed there were more, but only seven bodies were ever found. All women. Except for one. His brother Gordon was the lucky fella. Jesus Christ. This is what I come from, Jay. And it explains a whole hell of a lot. Hello and welcome to another episode of That's So Random, a random movie podcast. I am, as always, Heath Lambert. Joining me again, it's been a while since the uh, yeah, yeah. Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things episode. Andrew yes. is here. Hello. Very different movie. <laughs> oh yeah, very different. Uh, whereas that was fairly campy and, well, I guess this is strange too, but in a well, very, very different that, way. That one was a bit of a cult movie. Like I'd heard of that one for years before I ever saw it, but this I'd never heard of before. And I, I think there's a pretty good reason why. The Moosehead Over the Mantle from 2017. Yes. This is definitely a movie that I would never have, yeah, I probably would never have heard of if it hadn't been chosen randomly for the show. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I've um, never heard of this before. I feel like if somebody said to me, wow, that movie's like really boring, I'd go, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I found it oddly interesting because it's a- Oh, Yeah. Yeah, even if even if just in the presentation, because it's like it's as if a CCTV found footage movie and a stage yes. play had a baby. It made yes. this movie. It, well, yeah, it, it, it's very sparse in terms of the camera angles, and it's also it's only the one room for like the entire movie, pretty much. Um, and uh, most of the perspective seems to actually be from the perspective of the moose on the mantle place, <laughs> like most of the shots. Yeah, it's clearly, I mean, it was it was filmed at a, a New York theater, like a play, you know, stage. Oh, really? Theater with stage actors. And so it makes sense. I feel like I, they went, well, and it's written by Jess Gata, who plays, what's her name, Lillian in the movie. I almost feel like she wrote it as a play. I was just going to say. And then it went, yeah. let's just do it as a movie instead. <laughs> I was going to say, it de It definitely felt like a play. Like the the lack of uh, changing locations, like how it was, it was it, it, like, even though we went through different time periods, it, it was all the same room. And uh, very limited camera angles and very, uh, very sort of sparse. Like uh, there wasn't even like... Yeah, it, comparing it to a play is definitely very accurate. And a lot of the acting feels like stage performances, which is not yes. even necessarily a bad thing, but it's a different thing than film acting, you know? One, it's totally different, yes. One, one actress in particular was very much felt like she was still in a play. And I, th I think I, um, <laughs> I, I think I might know which one you're talking about. When we get to that part, I have a... I, I actually had to record a couple of clips from this movie because they, they made me laugh. Uh, so, so we'll have to get to that. So the, the first thing uh, that I caught right away is that the, 
this is a, an inappropriate films production. Do you, I'm sure you know, you saw <laughs> yeah. that like the, so I guess that's like a bit of a mission statement or something, but it, it didn't even feel like it had sort of an irreverent tone. It was all very po-faced, like very straight, uh, very serious. Yeah, it's not like a trauma movie or something like that. No, but it's, no. I mean, there's some inappropriate stuff in the movie. There's some incest and weird stuff going yes. on. But each of the, yeah, there's like five different sort of time periods that we see of this one yes. room in this one house. Each one was directed by a different person. Yes. Which is an interesting approach to it. Yeah, but here's the thing is that like uh, it was hard to distinguish each time period, like you'd have to sort of go by the clothing and like in terms of style, it felt like the same person could have easily directed all of this. Like uh, <laughs> it, it, there, there, there wasn't really anything to, to stand out each individual part, like fr stylistically from each other. Cause like I said, a lot of the angles are the same. Uh, most, uh, the most common angle is, it seems to be there, there's a giant moose head and it's above the mantle. And uh, it, it, most of the shots do seem to be from more or less the perspective of the, the titular, um, titular, whatever, how you say it, <laughs> moose. And uh, yeah, so it, it's a very sort of stiff and rigid movie. Yeah, there's a moose head, a deer head, and I think it's a wolf. It's either a wolf or a bear. I think it's a yeah. wolf. Yeah. And what? yeah, the moose is above the mantle and then sort of from its point of view on the other side of the room is the wolf. And then to its right is the deer. And so those are sort of our three cameras, so to speak. Yes. As if they yes. were, like I said, security cameras that are watching this room from different angles. Yes. And that's the only perspectives we get. Except for there are brief little flashes where we cut to either as someone is killing someone or being killed. We cut to their yes. POV for a second. Yeah, which... like a perspective shots. Yeah, there's a few of those. Yeah. Not too many, though. No, there's only a couple. It, it primarily, yeah, it, it primarily sticks to sort of like we said, sort of like like a play in terms of the 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 visual. Um, so, <laughs> the one thing I know is like the the, the mantle doesn't seem like the typical like a, it's like a relatively small mantle place, and there's this giant giant moose head there. Like it, it looks kind of funny to me how big it was in comparison to like the fireplace and the mantle. And uh, it opens with the dude trying to topple it, and then he falls on his ass. In I think it was 1966. Yeah, you, ha you have to keep track. They they have title cards that come up, and they tell you what year it's supposed to be in. But uh, uh, I don't even remember if it went back to those characters. Did no, it? it didn't. And I feel like that's the one that you could have kind of cut out of this completely, and it really wouldn't have changed yes. anything because we never come back to them. The things that they're talking about and setting up, you don't understand what they're talking about until no. you get to the end of the movie anyway. So yeah. it feels weird to have that scene up front. Well, it, it feels like the movie, as as Heath mentioned, it's structured around flashing back to different eras in the same house, in the same location. So you get like a sense of the history. But there is, I'd say the family, I, I think they were supposed to be in the 80s, yeah. There's sort of the the framing story, but the movie doesn't even begin with them. And also, like, I never really got a strong sense other than the location that these events were connected or related in any way. And more importantly, I never got any particular sense of the importance of the moose itself other than, I guess, it was the, the perspective, you know? Like, it, there was never like, oh, my great-grandfather, he shot this moose in 1806 or anyth anything like that. Like, it, it was just sort of there.
Yeah, it's interesting to me because obviously it's it's mostly about sort of generational yes. mental illness and how it can be passed down, you know, because every generation of this family has had horrible things happen in this room, in this house because of yes. mental illness within the family. It's Lillian's big worry that, oh, I've passed that on to my kid now. But and even so, then, if it's just that and there's nothing supernatural going on, that's that's fine. That's cool. But then they also there are little moments where like there's weird sort of sound effects. Oh, yeah. That's it, that's one of the things I had to get uh, a, a clip of. Uh, I'll play it now. Uh, you'll have it. So you, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. The the kind of sound effects like. Yeah. There's very, there's barely any music except for this one, I guess, musical cue they repeatedly use, and they use it for the the sound cards, and and sometimes there's like little brief flashbacks to like a violent image or whatever. So I'm gonna, I gotta play this. This sound by the end, it was just making me laugh every time it came up. So let me, let me play it. I got. Yeah, it sounds like it, wood, uh, like grinding against wood or something like that. And that was like their sort of um, Hans Zimmer score cue or something. Their attempt at like having an atmosphere. And it, it really kept taking me out of the movie because it just, it, it, it's, it didn't work. Well, it got me, it made me wonder if that's kind of their angle on because the question also is there something supernatural going on in this yes. house is it related to these since they are our sort of witnesses for the movie is it related yeah. to is there something evil and supernatural about these taxidermied animal heads or something going on in this house beyond just genetics that has made this family crazy over the generations and it seems like the answer and is I don't no know. <laughs> they're just there they're just there Oh, and um, one I, one thing uh, worth mentioning is in the opening sequence with the two guys that I don't think you ever see again, there's 666 and a pentagram scrawled on the wall. And I don't even remember that uh, any sort of Satanism or anything happening in the movie. Like there, there is a bit of a seance sequence, but there definitely wasn't like we imbue the power of Satan or anything like that. So there's, there's very much a lot of like stuff that's kind of just here in the movie, you know, like. I, I was wondering if that was going to pay off in any way. Like there's a, a, like a, but the, the only real sense of the occult I got was that one. Uh, what time period was it? I can't, I, I, I think 1881 yeah. is when, Oh, 1904 is when the seance was. Yeah. The 66 thing. I think the idea there is that, cause that's like graffiti and stuff. The pentagram. Yeah. Yeah. I think the idea is that the house has been abandoned since, for however long and squatters have sort of been in there messing around and, you know, teenagers in there drinking and fucking around and doing graffiti. And stuff. Yeah. That's yeah. It would have been neat to establish that. And, and it would have given the house a, more of a sense of history of like, Oh, people know this house kind of thing. And uh, it's, it's like a, almost an attraction for, for, for adventurous people or something like that. But outside of establishing shots of the exterior of the house that we get a couple at the beginning, of, yeah. Um, and it says it's in Cara, Caratagus, New York. Cataragus, New York. I think it's Cataragus, New York. Other than that, yeah, the entire movie is in this one room or this one set because obviously yes. it's a set that they probably built on their stage at well, their theater in New York. Knowing it's a set that definitely a explains. 
Yeah, knowing it's a set, that definitely explains why it's so limited and they only showed that one room. <laughs> yeah, we start in 1966. There's a real quick scene. Uh, a guy named Edgar, who I'm never... I, I had to make, like, a flowchart genealogy tree. Oh, did the, you? The, I've tried <laughs> to, anyway, of the family. And there's a couple little branches I still haven't figured out. I'm still not sure who Lillian's mom is. I think that it's... Well, I think that says a lot that you had to create a flow chart to keep track of who is who and who is what, because I was definitely getting confused when I was watching the movie. And, it, and well, it, uh, did you find the audio wasn't so great? Like, uh, maybe it was um, like I watched it on Tubi, like you suggested, and I thought it was volume at first, but no, that sound effect I could hear perfectly. But some of the dialogue, it, it was hard to make out. Like, I kept having to, like, go back and make sure I caught what they said. Yeah, a low-budget movie sometimes won't have the best uh, sound. Yeah, this opening scene, we have Edgar, who's kind of And his creepy-looking friend who shows up. Drunk, and he's... Yeah, it's hard to get a handle on what they're even talking about yet because we don't have the context for it. Yeah, but, they're talking about, like, a missing woman or something, weren't they? Well, they're saying, yeah, this house has been abandoned. It's the house that Edgar, I guess, grew up in when he was a kid, but it's been abandoned for a while. He keeps referring to her as Nora, but I think when he, I think it's his mom that he's talking about. Yeah. Which I think makes this Lillian's father, and Nora's her grandmother, if my time Maybe. frame is correct. Because if this is 66, and Lillian's a grown woman in 1983... That could make sense, yeah. Maybe. And we keep hearing about, because Edgar's friends come in, it's like, hey, come on, let's get you out of here. Your wife is going crazy wondering where you are. So my, my assumption is that Edgar and this wife that we never see, Lillian is their child. But Yes. But and Edgar's already drunk, and his friend comes in with a bottle of booze, and then they, like, split it. And <laughs> like Edgar was already drunk. We know this because he tries to take the moose head off and then he falls on his ass. Yeah. And it, it makes for some interesting sort of anytime somebody's like, because people are either scared the first time they see these, <laughs> this moose head yes. or angry at it. Those are the only two yes, reactions. Yes. But so there'll be times where somebody's like, oh, I don't like this thing. And they'll throw a towel over it or put a box over it. And that's them putting it over the camera. And then we'll switch right. to a different perspective in the room. So they do some interesting little things. That's why I can't, as much as I could see somebody going, I did not like this. Yeah. There's things about it to me, especially after the second watch and kind of being able to link all the Oh, you watch it together. twice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I always watch it once first just to kind of get a general sense of it. And then I watch it again yeah, that makes when sense. I take my notes. And once I had more kind of a better established idea of how all these family members link together and stuff, and then add to that the presentation, because w whether you like the presentation or not, as far as it looks like a stage play and a found footage movie mixed together, you've never really seen anything like that before. It's true. You're right. I've never seen a movie that is framed this way before, which makes it, at the very least, interesting, even if it's not successful in everything that it's trying to do. Well, you can definitely, yeah, you can definitely, I was definitely aware the entire time I was watching of the limitations that they were sort of working in. And, and now that you mentioned that it's a set, like, uh, I, I didn't necessarily think it was a set so much as they might, the location they had was not suitable for filming. I, but now that you say it's a set that totally clicks, uh, why, why you, uh, like, you only see the one room. But also, you mentioned that uh, it was done in a theater. Like, they, they probably write, uh, like, they probably wrote it like a play, like you said, and then we're like, oh, let's make it a movie. Yeah, because there's a lot of scenes that are real sort of two-handers that really feel yeah. like a scene from a play. 
Definitely. Um, and they're theater people, so it, it makes sense. But yeah, Edgar's whole deal is basically like Nora ran off and left this house abandoned. And again, I think this is his mother he's talking about. Yes, um, yeah. And her father is happy. So Edgar's grandfather is happy because they have a new grandson. I'd- we don't know what really what they're talking about. And this is one of the kind of yeah, pieces it- of the family tree that I can't quite link together in my head. But And then, like we said, we don't even see these dudes again. No, but his basic thing is like, I'm glad this house is abandoned. I wish then I w- don't let anyone like come back here. So it's our sort of first inkling of like, okay, maybe the house is the problem. Maybe that this house is bad news. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which, uh, by the end, I still don't know if that's the case. <laughs> I don't know if it's a haunted house or if it's just yeah, a haunted I'm... family and it doesn't matter where they go. Yeah, and then, um, so th- then the title card comes up and then we meet what I would say is sort of like the framing story and that's the mother, father, and their son that that move into the house and i i think it's the 80s this is the one i did i i didn't ca- uh write down the date in my notes i think it was in 81 or something it's like 80, that 83 okay yeah there was so uh, there, there's also a lot of little like jump cuts to like poor uh, violent images or moments from the other timelines that keep coming up particularly in the the 80s part of the story and so they, they're moving into the house and we're learning um <laughs> oh, sorry i had to write down this piece of dialogue between they, they mentioned that they have a cat and of course you never see the cat in the movie and uh at one point it says the wife says something show that cat who's boss and the, the husband says i'll show your cat who's boss yeah it's, i had to write that down it's jay and lillian hoff heinz bachman which is Hoff Heinz would be her maiden name, her family name, which is the name of, you know, everyone else in the movie. They all, they have a, it'll be a while before we learn his name, but they have a little son named Nick. Yeah, they've sort of arrived in the middle of the night. The kid is asleep. They haven't, they don't have anything set up yet. There's just this one room that already has furniture in it. So they set up blankets and pillows on the floor to sleep. She is pregnant because there's a discussion about whether, you know, Nicholas is happy to be a big brother or not. Right. Yes. And, um, I feel like of of everyone in the movie, these two have the most sort of natural acting. Yes, definitely. Yeah, everything like, else. I feel like yes. their performances are best and sort of the least kind of theatrical and stagey. I completely agree. Yeah. They seem, especially I, in this scene, they seem to have like pretty good like chemistry together. They seem like a likable and believable couple. So I'm immediately, I'm like, all right, I, I'm, I'm with these people. I have I have another thing in my notes here though that that made me laugh as the husband is like this house is ridiculous like talking about how great it is but we never get to see because we literally just get to see that one room and and if we're being honest the one room does look like shit like it, it it's like an attic or something that like it looks kind of like an attic room uh, but I, I guess it's supposed to be like the main room to the house because that's how every other uh, generation uses it but this family uses it like a like a just a space where all the junk is from the previous owners right and when we see those people from the 60s at the beginning it's the same thing so i'm not i'm not even sure what part of the house this room is supposed to be well they mention at different points they mention upstairs and downstairs relative to this room so this room is in the middle of the house somewhere because there's floors above and floors below i feel like it was you know, like a sitting room, and now it's sort of just kind of like a living room, kind of. Yeah. You know, not a terribly spacious one, but I guess it's because of the camera angles we get. It's 
a little hard to get the dimensions of the room. So it's not tiny, but it's not like huge either. But there's a sofa in there and the fireplace with the... Well, the camera angles are definitely, they're very sort of claustrophobic. And I, I, I don't think it was quite intentional so much. It honestly felt like a little bit inept in some of the framing. Like just, just watching it like, oh, pay attention to the rule of thirds, people. <laughs> and stuff like that it just kept, it kept kind of catching my eye. Yeah, so that we established that family. And I don't, does the pregnancy even come up again? I don't remember it coming up. Definitely not, doesn't come up in like the last scene, I don't think. It, it does come up again. Oh, it does. Okay. Uh, yeah. And we also learn, and we can kind of jump around a little bit. I don't know if yes. it's in this first scene or in one of their later scenes. We basically learned that they have had to come here to sort of her ancestral home. Her mother, who I'm, again, I'm thinking is either Nora or Edgar's wife, whoever that is, yes. has basically said, you can have this house. It's just sitting there abandoned. And Lillian's husband, Jay, is like, it's crazy that this house is just sitting here and no one's using it. It's, you know cool that we have it yeah, he's but they had to move they've had to pull their kid out of school but nick is a very troubled child he wears a halloween yes. mask all the time and walks around and the reason they had to leave their apartment building is because he tried to burn it down with people inside yes. of it like <laughs> you know yeah including i think they mentioned specifically his mom was inside it too yeah i i wrote this down uh where is it? Oh, here we go. I, uh, the, the kid apparently can go weeks without talking or communication of any kind. That's an exact quote, talking or weeks without talking or communication of any kind. And he almost burned down an apartment complex with his mom inside. He likes fire and wears a Halloween mask like the kid from us. That's that's a note I made because <laughs> he reminded me of I think the kid's name was Jason in us. Yeah. And he has a, a similar sort of Halloween mask. And, and uh, that kid in us, he liked fire. Did this come out before us? I'm not saying like the us the the, right. the Jordan Peele movie ripped it off or anything like that. It's just funny how similar those two characters are. Yeah, it would have been two years before probably. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so it's a troubled kid. That's why they've had to move. And she has fears. She's worried about this that this kid is some kind of a bad seed. And Jay's kind of blowing it off a little bit. Like he's oh, totally know, blowing it off. He doesn't. He's not kids. worried at all. He's not worried at all. There's the one part where. Uh, the mom finds the lighter like she's like I found this in uh, our son's room and then he's like oh I've been looking for that uh, must have gotten lost in the move or something like that it's like what are you kidding me of course it was like the kid took the lighter like yeah Jay's kind of worried his priorities are a little off because yeah he's not worried about the dangerous things like the kid having the lighter what he is worried about is the kid told him to fuck off <laughs> yes yes <laughs> that's goes, the thing that upset him the most he goes that to put the kid to bed and off. he comes back in and he's like Lillian you know what your son said to me he told me to fuck off and she's like oh is that it like I thought it was something bad yes yeah yeah, yeah I remember there was like diminishing that she's like that's all but she's more worried uh, that like oh he pushed you out a window or something and all like yeah exactly he's gonna do something terrible you got off light with the fuck you off. <laughs> then we cut to 1881 81 which yeah is the furthest back we go there's weird brother and sister stuff going on yes and the the mom who speaks uh, was she speaking german yeah Kate? there's the old yes. like crabby looking mom who only speaks german there's the dad who's got real sort of hellfire preacher vibes to him right but this is a we there's weird stuff going on in this family because a anna is the girl who we'll see again sort of grown up in 1904, but she's sort of a teenager in 1881. And yeah, they refer to each other as like her brother calls her sister. And yes. She calls him 
brother like it's real weird and they get in like a fight to where he is yes. choking her on yeah, the he floor. snaps at her because she's ungrateful and he like attacks her. And th- there's a, I w- one thing I want to point out is there, th- there's repeated strangulation or choking sequences in this movie. And they're always very poorly done. Like they, you see they're barely like touching the person. Well, I think that's also, that's the budget way to kill someone because you don't need yes. any sort yes, of special definitely. effects at all. But even then, it felt very stagey, and like uh, you could see, like there, there was the one throttling that happens later on, where you could see the guys like barely touching her neck, yeah, because she's ungrateful. Yeah, I didn't even realize that was. I, it totally makes sense. It's the same person, but was it? It's not the same actress, is it? When you see her when she's older in 1904. No, no, no. Right. No, see, this is the stuff I've had to put together just yes by their names and stuff. Okay, so I'm, uh, this movie was somewhat hard to follow. <laughs> it, it, it was, believe me, I was watching it. I was paying attention, but like, it, you've got the flow chart and you're still not entirely sure. <laughs> no, you know, I have some pieces missing, but I do feel like a second watch and an understanding of sort of the family tree yes. enhanced the movie and elevated it for me to where I was like, okay, I like this a little more than on first watch now that it's less confusing. Totally. Um, but yeah, the brother and sister, Anna and her brother, are fighting and hitting each other. Like he's choking her out, and then they're they don't start making out, but it's close. Like there's <laughs> there's real weird stuff going on here between these two. Well, yeah, they definitely seem to. In general, there does seem to be like a theme of like misogyny, like because a lot of the violence and stuff that happens is towards the the, the women characters and sure. their relate and, and is related to their relationships. And we'll get into some more of that as it comes up. But uh, yeah, I definitely felt like this movie was trying to make sort of a statement on those sort of things, but it doesn't really coalesce. Like the the the, the movie doesn't fully gel. I can't argue with that. I, like that that's the the tax scene happens. Then then it goes to nineteen oh four. Yeah, then we cut to 1904. Anna is grown up. She is putting on a fake seance uh, with yes. her two sons as helpers. And here's where we first learn that this mantle that the moose head is sitting above turns or like swivels. Yeah, there's like a, it, it's, it, it, you don't actually see it on screen. What you see is the camera turns and indicates that there's like a secret room behind there, right? Like that, that's what they were trying to give it. <laughs> yeah, our point of view of the moose head, the camera swivels, you know. It rotates, yeah. In a so way that a we're not of... used to seeing. So we, it's like, oh, okay, this mantle can turn around. And we won't see it turn all the way around to see the room behind it until the very no. end. But it definitely... At the very least, at this point, we know Swivels and her sort of Anna's sons are kind of hiding back there, manipulating the things they need to to fake this seance, like, you know, the table moving and lights going on and off and all that stuff. Exactly. So she's yeah. A, she's a, 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 a con artist. A con artist. Right. Yeah. As well, it, mediums it, are. <laughs> yeah. So just to emphasize, you don't see the secret passage. You literally just see the pers- like the, the camera like turning as if it was attached that think of like one of those old places you should have when you were a kid with the action figures and you put like bruce wayne in and then it spin around and batman would be on the other side that kind of thing that's that's what they're trying to get across only you don't actually see it they just have the camera turn as if uh this this indicates that there's a secret passage one quote i had to write down is that anna afterwards she's like churlish philistines common just common she's like cursing these common folk that line that line made me laugh yeah churlish philistines a bit theatrical there as well Um, well you i got the impression that like 
every sort of period sequence they they must have done research by watching other movies or tv shows based on that period and then going by the most broad version of that like when we get to the um oh man there's the one character i i had to record a clip of the one character i think it's exactly the one you mentioned it like it they were thinking of earlier well i'm getting ahead of myself because we we've got we're at 1904 with the churlish philistines and the fake seance and then there's not much of a structure i'd say to this movie you know what i mean like where where there's say chapters it feels like it just sort of jumps from period to period as they kind of want to like just just sort of spur the moment like it's it's it lends to the incoherence of the overall story, I think. Yeah, it's a bit of a puzzle box because it's told so sort of in in pieces and out of order and all this stuff. Yes. And you do kind of have to put put it together and only to find out maybe one of the pieces fell off the table and got lost in the carpet, maybe. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Lady Anna and her fake seance. She has two sons, Franklin and William, who are sort of her accomplices in this. They all they, And they have a baby sister who's crying from another room. And she's not a good mom. She's like, go feed your sister. I'm. I want to just lay here and smoke a cigarette or whatever she's doing. So she's. Yeah, had... and, and, and we don't see the baby, do we? No, we never. We never see yeah, the baby. We'll learn quite later a... through an expositional song that she has. Um, <laughs> that all these, all of her children are from different fathers. So Lady Anna has grown up, unsurprisingly, given her upbringing, to be right. you know, you know, has, does not have a perfect life. Has um, you know. Especially there, for the time, a, is probably a bit of a scandalous woman. There's a few things like the baby where it's sort of talked about, but you don't see it. Like the cat that the family in the 80s has. They bring up the cat a few times. You never see the cat. Well, we see it dead, but we don't see it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. We never see a, a live cat running around the set. No. no. And so, yeah, the seance is over. The boys come out to sort of disassemble all the seance stuff and make it just back into their living room again. And then the doorbell rings, and they're like, oh, shit, they're early. So they start putting all the sale stuff back <laughs> out that they just put away because now, you know, we have another fake seance to do. And then from there, it cuts to 1945. Right. There's a drunk, abusive dad. That's literally what I wrote, a drunk, abusive father with his son crawling up off the floor. <laughs> yeah. He's got a bunch of kids. Nora, who's sort of the doting daughter who and put upon daughter who you know is making everybody dinner and running around trying to make everybody happy and you can't make this guy happy because it's a drunken piece of shit yeah um there's arthur who's just back from the war they have they have sort of red white and blue they have a lot of like decorations yeah, yeah. like and that's sort of what i would look for to to, to uh, uh, as i mentioned earlier it can be sort of difficult to tell what time period it's supposed to be what so i'd kind of look around the set to go oh there's the decorations. We're back in 1945. Which I think is another good reason to just do it on this one set because you can just change the set dressing and you're an entirely yeah. different, you know. I'm sure it made it very economical and fast for them to be able to put all this together. There's a couple other kids, but we don't we don't get much from this. And this is the, no. for, the 1945 stuff is another sort of segment that I feel like doesn't, I mean, it, it kind I of... Don't, it's kind of. I, I can't even remember how it pays off or where it goes. Like, it, is that where the? Is that where later on that guy wants to bring the girl upstairs? Is that the same time period? Yeah, that's the. Um, okay. yeah. That's Lillian's great uncle Robert, who turned out to be a serial killer. <laughs> we learn. 
Right, um, there's a serial killer in this movie. We only see him kill one person, and it's by accident. Yes. But that was his first victim, I guess. But yeah, the, and when we first see or, or what she mentions him, it's like Uncle Robert. Uh, in in the 80s, they mention him, and then it flashes to him just beating the hell out of a woman or smacking her really hard. Like, there's a lot of those sort of flashbacks like that where it's like violent image suddenly. Yeah, which makes you, you know, kind of want to stick around through the boring parts to be like, okay, well, we're going to get to that, right? Like, we're going to get back to that yeah, crazy thing it, I just saw in a flash. But um, I feel like the 1945 stuff, it doesn't add, I mean, it's like flavor and it is filling in sort of blanks in the family tree, but it doesn't, it's not the most interesting. I'm way more interested in what's going on with Lillian and Jay. I'm yes. more interested in Lady Anna's stuff. And the 1945 stuff just didn't do much for in me. In that scene, did they take, <laughs> I, I put, made a note of this, did they take the most, the moose down just to put it back up again? Like I want, he takes it down. He makes a big thing of it, and then they, they just put it right back up. Yeah, I don't remember why they were taking it down. I think they were taking it down just because Arthur doesn't like it, but then they decided to put it back up so the <laughs> drunk dad didn't get mad. But like, wait something. a second, the title of the, it's in the title of the movie. We can't take this down. Uh, but it's also a way for them to do, because all the stops, shots are so static from different angles looking into this one set, it makes for interesting ways for them to just play around with the camera and get some sort of yeah. dynamism, some kind of movement. You know, okay, we're going to move the moose. There's very much what... not a lot. Yeah, there's not a lot. Uh, it's not It's it's not a very dynamic movie in general in terms of the camera work, for sure. Or there's a couple times where the moose head, like, falls off onto the floor, and so it's like the camera crashed down. So we're getting some right. sort of motion, some sort of... Or I thought it was interesting that in... The 1983 segments, the wolf head isn't on the wall anymore. It's in a cardboard box off to the side because she points out. Yes. Cause, so it's sort of like peeking out into the room like a little creeper. <laughs> that's like, yeah, yeah. It's right by where they're sleeping because she's like, oh, if you don't like the moose head, don't look in this box. And we see from the <laughs> point of view of inside this box. So they tried to do some interesting stuff with it and break up the kind of the monotony of it. So it's after we're introduced to the 40s uh, segment that we start learning about what's wrong with the kid more because uh they, they, that this is where we learn nick you said is the kid's name yeah their son is badly behaved so they're not sure if the local school will even take him and i think she mentioned something like we can't do house homeschooling like that won't that's a no-go yeah and i don't really know why i don't know what we don't know what they do for work or if they had to both leave their jobs to come here who knows how far away it was from where they were so there's a lot of details we don't have. We could sort of just get just enough for what we need, I guess, <laughs> without yes. a ton of. But yeah, they she realized Lillian realizes that all the stuff that they brought from storage is just mixed in now, or all the stuff they brought for their move is just mixed in with stuff that was already in because everything's just in plain unmarked cardboard boxes. <laughs> so trying to find their stuff, she stumbles across old records and things from her family, like this life insurance policy. And these ledgers and photo albums and stuff. I, I just like how it's a. It feels like a. They just need an excuse to have them go through all that stuff. Like a. Oh yeah, well we we just mix up the boxes and then uh, we we just stumbled upon this stuff. I thought it was really convenient because at one point the dad's like reading a book, and it just lays out everything, doesn't it? Like he's like, oh this this murder happened here. And, uh, oh, yeah, the husband that he's conveniently has a book with all these details about the family history. Like, what is this book supposed to be? It looks like a proper bound published book. It's a pretty convenient like, it seem like shortcut. A 
Yeah, exactly. It didn't seem like it was like a, it, it, it maybe it would have been more artful if they had like a photo album or like a family journal, something, but it, yeah, he's literally just reading a book. That's like murders happened this year. And then abuse this year. Well, it seems like they put all of this sort of stuff together from a bunch of different sources throughout the room that they found. And we just don't see that. We kind of see just the end result of the, or hear the end result of the, there's definitely the one scene where he's, where he's reading from a, a book, though, that I remember distinctly. So we learn the kid is, is more about the kid and his bad behavior, and then we go to the 20s, right? Yeah. Well, the one more important detail in that 83 oh. part is just she finds a ledger that's all about, and she's like, did people used to trade in their gold teeth for things? Because this ledger is <laughs> full of, like, from this person, we got this many gold teeth, and from this person, we got this many gold teeth. Is that, like, did people used to trade like that? And that'll, we'll find out what that's about way at the end. <laughs> so it's setting that up. Yeah, then we go to 1922. It's an engagement party. Yeah, and it's the only, I just realized it's the only, we only go to 1922 once. We have the kind of the whole 1922 scene, and then we never cut back yeah, to that Yeah, you're right, again. yeah. Um, and this is where I, I had to record another clip of that one character so there's it's an engagement party and it's not okay so there's there's like a, there's a secret lesbian affair and it's this the lady i, I wrote it down as the the flapper lady because she has a voice kind of like this we're gonna we're gonna go see a talkie that kind of voice that you hear really sort of broad voice i i had to record a clip of her talking because it, it, it this was another thing that made me laugh so here uh, let's let's listen Sentimental mumbo jumbo. Let's haul those crates of bubbly out to the back, light the bonfire, and drink ourselves blind. <laughs> drink ourselves blind. <laughs> yeah, that's, There's a, that's Minnie. That is who I was talking about. She is very clearly a theater actress. She is. Yes, definitely. She is playing to the back of the room, and God bless her. Honey, you don't need to because you're on camera now. You're on camera. Exactly. <laughs> like, she is. Well, it's also just—it's very much like a caricature, as I said. Where it's—it's like she saw another skit or another movie that's set in the twenties and saw a character that talked like that. It's like, okay, that's how I have to talk. (laughs) So she's having—it's very much a perform. It's—it's very much a stage performance. It's the way you perform on stage because it's a giant room of people and everyone in the back has to hear, you know. And even the way that she exits stage right when she leaves this room is the most like high school student in Shrek the musical exit stage right I've ever <laughs> like that I've ever seen in a movie. Like it's For so sure. so she's very, very still stuck in the theatrical of all of this. But um, And she, so she's having an affair and it's not with the guy who's engaged, it's with the the dad. Uh, sorry, sorry. She's having a lesbian affair with the wife of the the father of the engaged couple like the... let me break it down for you because i got yes, this all please. figured out so the guy giving the toast of the speech that is lady anna's son william yes from so the seance helper who yes. jumping ahead to a later scene winds up beating that old guy to death and then killing his brother in that, with a hammer to the eye that's him yes. grown up okay okay his son is now uh, william jr is engaged with engaged. the baby on the way that's what this party right. is for William is married to... I I would love to see this flow chart that you have. <laughs> it's not a chart so much, but I definitely sat down and figured out. Um, 
but yeah, he's he's married to a, a woman. It's his the theatrical girl we're talking about, Minnie, is his baby sister, the crying baby from the other That's room. Right. Yes. During the seance scenes. That's the little baby grown up. Oh yes, yes. I didn't make that connection, but I knew it was his sister. Yes. So it's his baby sister is having an affair with his wife. Yes. He finds out about it. And they're not and they're well he finds out about it because <laughs> They, they do it like right in the living room at the party. Like everyone goes outside to have the fun and party or whatever. And then they're just inside openly in the living room, like making out, aren't they? Like, it, it, of course he's going to find out. Yeah. And I'm what I, I would surmise is that he had his suspicion. So he went and hid in, yes. the, in the behind the mantle in the revolving room that he in knew about. Room. He was a crew up there because, yeah, once his wife. They make out a little bit, and it's like, oh, God, we're going to go. And she leaves, and we the camera moves a little bit because he is sneaking out of the mantle, behind the mantle. Uh, strangles Minnie to death. But she plays a, we're missing something important here. She does a ukulele song. Yeah, she sings a very awkwardly expositional song explaining sort of the family history that fills in some of the blanks, including <laughs> this informs us that Lady Anna, so their mom, at some point before she had children, burned down a barn with her family in it. So the crabby German mom and creepy dad and creepy brother, she burned them alive in a barn when she was probably shortly after the 1881 stuff that we see and then went to make her fortune and have her own kids and all that stuff. So... And that's so that's such a significant chain of events that we only hear, but we don't see it. We only hear about it through a ukulele song. Yeah, which I don't... (laughs) Which I mean is a shortcut because they don't they don't have the because first off we're we're not gonna ever show the barn because we're in this one room and we don't have the budget it, to burn a barn down or any of that or play it with feels pyrotechnics. To me, at all. like if you were writing a movie and you knew you were going to limit it to the one room, you try to put as much of the action in that one room. But it does lead to awkward things like this, like I pointed out. So he he goes to to strangle her and he throttles her and kills her because he was hiding in the room uh, in the secret room and uh, doesn't he. Uh, yeah, that's another example. That's where I really first noticed that, like, the strangling is very unconvincing. It looks like he just gently had his hands against her throat. And then he, he kisses her corpse. I think he does. There, this, is, this is one of the weird incestual moments that we, we, we mentioned before. I don't think it was on the, like, on the lips or anything. I think it was because, again, he's, he was furious about this affair right. happening, but it's still his baby sister, you know? So right. he was mad enough to kill her, but he probably still. Loves her. I think he kisses her on the cheek or the forehead or something, and then goes and, he, and promptly hang hangs himself. <laughs> yes, and he does it in the middle of the party. Yeah, his wife and William Jr. walk in just in time to see him hang himself, which we don't see. It's like just off camera because he does it kind of in the swiveled yeah mantle. So we just kind of see the mantle shake and kind of maybe a little bit of his feet swing into frame or something, and then her screaming. So we get the idea of what happened. So then we go back to the 80s and the 80s. Uh, this is where the dad has the book where he's reading details about the family history. And the son has an issue. Do you remember what the son's issue is? He's wetting the bed. Yes, he's that's right. Yeah. And the dad is covering it up for some reason. Because he, the dad's knows, very... he knows his wife. He knows. Yes, he's very she's, much. She's right to be, it turns out. But she's very worried that like my whole family is crazy. It's amazing I'm not crazy. I'm afraid it skipped a generation and our son is a crazy, murderous lunatic. And any sign of anything is a sign of here's the day he snaps. 
So the bedwetting, setting things on fire, anything. So he's trying to protect her from worrying about it and protect his son from being the brunt of her worries. So he's trying yes. his best to balance a difficult situation. Yeah, the dad says he's inca- he says the kid is incapable of hurting anyone. And I wrote, we'll see in the next hour, because this was about 40 <laughs> minutes into the movie. <laughs> yeah, we will see. Oh, um, I, I had to write this this down, um, because I was watching this on Tubi, an ad came up. I said, the scariest, most intense part of the movie so far was the ad for Amazon jobs that came up during. The, no joke, there was an ad for how great it is to work at Amazon. So... <laughs> They didn't bring up peeing, uh, peeing in bottles when you're when you're on shift or anything like that. They just mentioned how great it is to be a manager working at Amazon. So that terrified the hell out of me. Yeah, and Tubi, God bless Tubi. I love Tubi. It's oh, it's great, wonderful. You know, all that free content and a wonderful boon to this show in particular. But the places that they choose to stick ads are usually at the worst possible moment. Like there's in definitely the, one of them in this movie is right after. Nicholas in the Halloween mask crushes that mouse and then like does like almost like a jump scare where he like lifts his head up real fast to look at the camera right then it cut to a commercial I'm like oh it did yeah for me anyway I don't know I I only had one ad and it was uh it was right after the the scene where they're talking about the bedwetting and everything oh man I get three four ad breaks every movie oh really yeah how are you getting so lucky Maybe because it's, um, it's uh, Canada, there maybe they have less. Uh, oh, maybe yeah. that could be. So then we go to another time. Is this we go back? Is this in the forties again, or no? The, the, with the dad and his daughter. From there, that's eighteen eighty one. That's Anna when she was Lady Anna when she was a teenager. Yeah, and here's more incest stuff now with the dad, where the dad is like kissing on her and like because she has to like sort of perform for him to keep him happy. She has to yes. call him pop, Papa and like Papa, Papa. I wrote that down, Papa. And she has to have like the perfect dress on and do like little turns for him, and it's real gross, real not okay. And he's also <laughs> giving her booze. Yeah. He gives her some of. He's drinking some, and I think he gives her uh, some of it. So uh, I wrote down he kisses her and then he chokes her. <laughs> yeah, anytime he's not happy, yeah, she's getting punished. Between her, him and her brother, there's a lot going on. Yes. Well, and they and they say in that. Actually, let me back up. In the yes. in that exposition song that Minnie sang about her mother, which I also question, is this like a family song that's been passed down or is she making this yeah, up that's on a the very spot? good question. Yeah. Like, Who this, wrote this song? D- either she's ad-libbing it on the spot to herself in the middle of this party for no reason. Or, for our benefit as the audience. Yes. Or it's like a family song that's been passed down generation to well i guess one generation to explain but but in that song she says that lady anna had a one son by her father and one by her brother so her two sons william and frank one of them yeah one of them she got knocked up by her father one of them she got knocked up by her brother then she burnt them alive and then minnie is the product of just who knows some rando later on right but so there's a lot of yeah, this family's messed up. <laughs> it's not yeah. terrib- it's not terribly surprising that they're all a little cuckoo because there's definitely some And then the dad there. like leaves the scene after choking her a bit and then we see her pull out a straight razor and she kind of studies it. Which is fair in her situation. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but they're preparing for they're gonna get a visit from a Mr. Sweet Tack who's coming and they have to prepare Sweet Tack, right. I, I couldn't make out what the name was. I'm glad he called it Mr. Sweet Tech. Yeah, and he comes and 
dad sort of has her put on a little show for him to distract him. Yeah. Which we won't know what that's about until the next time we cut back to that. But she's like, you know, oh, recite recite this poem for him or whatever, or sing a song for him. But it almost feels like he's prepared. Since we already know this guy is messed up and has weird sexual things going on in his family, it feels like he's like pimping her out. Absolutely. Yeah. It's very much sweet tack, but that's not what it winds up being. But it, you get that. You, it's a real dirty feeling when you're watching it. Like, oh, and no, again, like oh, I, no. I said um, before, there's sort of like a theme, a recurring theme, because most of the abuse and stuff happens towards the women. And so that it, like it, there, there is sort of that theme of like massaging, like the, the, there was the secret lesbian couple and then the sister gets killed. And then now we have this abusive father with his daughter. And uh, it, it, it sounds incredibly heavy in, in like a very, very dark movie, but it doesn't really hit home. Did it like, did you find that it was very impactful? And like for all the subject matter that it's dealing with, it, it, it felt very sort of dry. Like it didn't, it didn't really like a lot of these subjects. If I was watching a movie that was, I guess you could say more cinematic, it would definitely have more of a punch and maybe, maybe have you feeling queasy, but here, cause it was so stagey as I guess the word I would use, it never quite coalesced enough to make me sort of actually uncomfortable other than just the realization like, Oh, that's his daughter kind of thing. But like, if this was a movie with say, uh, more conventional camera work or, or or performances, then I definitely would have been a lot more uncomfortable throughout the whole movie. Yeah, I feel like for me, the second viewing helped a lot, but it is yes. definitely, I think because it's so, it's hard to get the real gravity of any of it when it's so chopped up and cutting back and yes. forth. Just when I'm getting a sense of and interested in what's going on in 1881, then we're cutting to something else and then we're cutting back, you know? So it's because it's so chopped up, it's harder to get invested. I'd be curious to see this movie uh, edited in a more linear fashion. I know that sounds like it would be more boring, but I think it would be more coherent. <laughs> and thus, you're, you'd be able to be absorbed. Like maybe frame it with the 80s bits to sort of, sort of have like a, a narrative that connects it all. And then have the other bits, or and they're mostly in sequence, but it does sort of jump around all over the place as the movie goes on. Yeah, that would be an interesting experiment to see it re-edited together in chronological order. I think it would be, I, I yeah, I think it would be a more coherent and easier to follow movie, but I think it would be a less interesting movie. Yeah, I think it's more interesting the way it is because you are, it is sort of forcing you to play catch up and sort of to pay, you know pay attention to sort of solve it yeah because again i think a lot of people will will find that this is not an interesting movie there's just, there's something about it. i found this movie really interesting and maybe i'm a weirdo but between no, the you presentation can't. and it just i don't know it's it was so much for me it was a lot better than i thought it was going to be really yes but oh i'm not gonna get into like i'm not gonna be like keith how dare you or anything like that because <laughs> <No>. i <laughs> So uh, where where were we? So so then uh, we cut back to 1904, and yes, Mr. The, Pom the Pomeroy has arrived. Mr. Pomeroy, yes, I have that written down. Who appears to be Lady Anna's sort of latest sugar daddy, kind of, who's come into Holy. town, and he's gonna like rule the roost now. And the boys, William and Frank, don't like him. Yeah, and I couldn't get a sense whether the mom, because the mom seemed to be put upon herself um like she didn't seem to be all that into mr pomeroy 
However, when she's talking to her kid, she's like, you better shut up and you better like listen to Mr. Pomeroy, you little bastards. You know, like she, she, she seemed to, as soon as Mr. Pomeroy wasn't around, she was all pro Pomeroy. Yeah. It's probably a situation where they're probably financially in dire straits. Yes. You know, which oh, is yeah, having to do definitely get fate. the impression that Mr. Pump. Well, they mentioned that it was a boarding house at some point. And I think she says, something like, oh, we're not a, we're not a boarding house anymore. And Mr. Pomeroy kind of insists upon it being like, I don't care. You know, like uh, you're going to put me up. And they mentioned there was a fire, didn't they? When was the fire supposed to have taken place? And was it supposed to be in the house? No, I I assumed they were talking about the fire that Anna burnt up her family yeah. when she was a kid so that yeah been, so where did the, that was where was that supposed barn, to happen so out on the property okay, the barn somewhere a barn, okay presumably somewhere not else in, on the property in the house yes but yeah i got i mean they don't say it but my sort of assumption would be is that lady anna has since burning her family up has kind of jumped from one kind of man to the next whoever can support her whoever can keep her you know that's probably where minnie came from because we never yeah. know who you know, that was probably the last sugar daddy. Who knows what happened to him? Probably nothing good. <laughs> but, you know, and Pomeroy's the latest, you know, and like that's that's her the meal ticket to keep herself and her family with a roof over their head and fed. And so if she's got to pretend to like this guy and sleep with him and order her sons to put up with him, then that's what she's going to do. And that's yeah. And he accosts her and uh, like forces kind of pours himself upon her to make out with her. And then the man in the house, they they refer to him as he he comes out of the secret passageway. So like, was he, he was watching them. Remember the, the, yeah, there's another, they do that rotating camera trick to make it seem like there's a secret passageway that he came out of. Yeah. William comes in and drags Pomeroy off of Anna and catches a beating for his for his troubles which anna just sits there and let's happen is never once like hey don't hit my son like she's gonna just put up with whatever this rich guy has to has to do because i don't know that's just her lot in life at the moment which is sad for her she's been through enough i feel bad for lady anna yeah really yeah so pomeroy beats the shit out of william who again will grow up to strangle his baby sister begin. So it's, you know, once and you yet, can follow and sort of connect the pieces, you're like, Oh, okay. I see kind of the chain of a, the domino effect of violence that's happened to these intergenerational trauma kind of deal. Yeah. Then we're back in 1945 drunk, abusive dad drives off and the kids are all sort of worried like, Oh God, he's going to go get arrested or drive into a tree or something. So Robert leaves one of the yeah, Robert is one of the kids. There's Robert. There's Andre. I don't remember. And Arthur, who came back from the war. So Robert leaves supposedly to go look for Dad before he gets in trouble. And then this seems kind of just a conversation between Nora and Arthur, who are brother and sister, and him telling her like, "You don't have to live like this. You don't have to be Dad's servant. This abusive drunk." Like, you don't even, like, go to dances or go out on dates. Like, you need to have a life of your own. You need to get out of this house and away from these people. He he can handle himself, you know. And I'm not always going to – I'm not going to stick around to protect you guys from him. So you should go, <laughs> you know. And that's that's basically it. It's one of the few non-murderous yeah. <laughs> scenes of the movie. Yeah. It's just this family. It's this – yeah, it's this brother telling his sister that, like, you're better than this. We're better than him, and you should go, which is what she – it winds up doing we'll learn at some point but and, and it, well i guess it's important because robert leaves 
Yes. Because when he comes back is when we'll have more trouble. Then we're back in 1983. And this is where the they're talking about uh, what happens for, to the, the kid find the mouse first and we don't see the mouse of course yeah this is where the kid it's dark he's yeah he's, he's, he's sort of stumbling around so everyone else in the house is probably asleep he's supposed to be in bed he's cr- and he's, he comes in the room with his halloween mask on he's crawling around the floor you hear a mouse squeaking and he catches yes. it and of course you never see the mouse it's that that would be a lot of work to Obviously. to wrangle a mouse i suppose so you, you don't want to let a, a mouse loose in the theater that they filmed this in or whatever. Yeah. And uh, I remember him sort of miming catching it, and then he mimes crushing it between his hands. Yeah, so this kid is now graduated to killing small animals, which is the first sign of bad, bad things. So yes. maybe Lillian's right. And then the next part of the 1983 thing is we learn that Lillian has lost the baby because she tripped on a toy that was on the stairs and fell down the stairs and oh see she i missed the i missed the 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 fact that she lost the pregnancy i just caught that they were uh they were disputing whether or not the toy would like they that that she got hurt and they were disputing whether or not the son did that on purpose because she tripped on one of his toys and of course we don't see the staircase or anything because again we're limited to the one room yeah lillian is convinced that nicholas left this toy on purpose on the stairs to hurt her and jay thinks that that's crazy <laughs> and it's te- you know it's it's sad what has happened and i can't imagine how, what you're feeling right now but blaming this on our other kid is not gonna work for me like you need to like bring it down a notch this is where she sort of dumped the exposition of like okay you know what i've learned now that i've gone through all of this stuff that's in this yes, room. this is where we we learn a bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah. She's like my my uncle Robert was a serial killer who he he says there's more, but they can only account for seven women that he killed in California. He killed all women except for his one younger brother, and then we get a quick flash of it's the it's the brother from 1945 that got beat up by the drunk dad. Okay, yes. The one who helps him hide the body here in a minute. He wants, Oh, he killed he, him too? he kills him too at some point. And yeah, she talks about how Anna burnt up her family. And so she basically the, lays, out, barn, yes. lays out for Jay like, yeah. My yeah, this is how I wrote it down. I said, there was a fire in a barn on the property and we won't get to see that because that would be outside the room. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we, you know, my whole family has always been great. You know, by the way, uncle or William was also like uh, a bootlegger who was the guy, you know, before he strangled his oh, sister really? and, and hung himself. Yeah, he was a bootlegger who was running. That's why he had those crates of champagne. Oh, it's like okay. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So she's like, my family has been fucked up since the very beginning. That's what's wrong with our kid. So it's maybe it's a good thing that I lost this baby. And he's like, whoa, that's dark. <laughs> like, oh, my God. I don't I can't talk to you right now because that's a fucked up thing to say. And she's like, well it is what it is like she is really sinking to a low low place the more i'm thinking about this the more i'm thinking i wonder what it would have been like to see as a play i think it might have been it might be more engaging what do you think yeah i don't from what i could tell anyway i don't i don't think that it was ever actually performed as a play yeah but it was clearly written by someone whose experience is in plays and the theater yes um I could see it working as a play. Certainly, it would be. It, it would definitely be difficult for them to jump around in terms of the timeline. So they, that they would probably have to do it in a more linear fashion. 
Well, I think it would just be a matter of, you know, lights out real quick, and then you do the quick change of whatever set dressing, which if you've done a bunch, you could probably do pretty fast. And then lights back up, and you have the other characters, and you're in a different time. And this, so yeah, I could see it working. I don't whether it would be more or less interesting as a play. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But so I don't know where this line fits in. But I had to. I had to put it down. It's where the 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 the, the mom Nick Nick's mom. She mentions that she found the mouse. The de- the mouse uh, that, that Nick has killed. She said it looks like it was smushed between two small hands. <laughs> yeah, which is smushed. I mean, that's what are you the CSI of mouse murder? Like, I, I don't it, know how it, you it, put it that just, together, but yeah, it really like specifically two small hands. Like, that, but not only that, using the word smushed, like she's got this very serious concern that her child is like, uh, oh, he might have smushed this mouse to death. <laughs> Yeah, he's an animal smusher. Look out. Yeah, it just seems like not the word you would use when you're concerned whether your son is like a killer in the making or something. So from there, we're back to 1945. Here's where Robert, who was supposed to be out looking for drunk dad and bringing him home, has instead come home with a girl and is drunk himself. You remember his pickup line? (laughs) Don't. It's uh, He says, did you know I have Hitler's pinky in a jar? Yeah, that's a weird... (laughs) Which, first off, is a fucking lie. I I guess we're supposed to presume, like, you know, he came back from the war and he's, like, trying to make himself sound all heroic or whatever. You could uh, describe this scene a little bit more. See, and I... It didn't even occur to me that... It was my understanding that it was Arthur, the other brother, the sort of the good one, who came back from the war. But now I wonder if they both came back from the war at the same time? Well, any... One sort of came back wrong and one came back okay? I don't know. There was a draft for the yeah. for World War II, was there not? So they probably any able-bodied young man from that time. It's not really that important, but, but for um, him to make up this lie about having Hitler's well, pinky in a jar to impress a girl tells me he went he went to war and is back, and people know that. Well, I think you definitely get the impression he's not serious when he says it. Like it's not like he's seriously saying it. He's well, saying yeah. it in like a, a facetious way. Like, did you know I have Hitler's pinky in the jar? Kind of like jocular manner. He's not seriously trying to convince her he has the the pinky in a jar. But so he uh, tried to get this girl to. They're sort of making out on the sofa, and then the, the brother does. The other like brother that. who already got who got beat up by the dad, whose name I can't remember for some reason, but the one he winds up killing sometime in the future, comes in and he's sort like, of interrupts them. And is like, hey, man, you don't be doing it. If dad comes home, you were first off, you were supposed to go find dad and you didn't. When he comes home, he can't walk in. Everything has to be like perfect because the reason he got beat up by dad was because he set his drink down on the Victrola, like on the <laughs> record player. Yes. And left a ring without a coaster or whatever. So yeah. like, dad likes things a very specific way. And if he comes in and sees you making out drunk, making don't out they mention... girl, he's going to lose his mind and take it out on Don't me. they mention the Victrola stopped working as well because the dad bumped into it and the back fell off? There was something about... The... I, yeah, I remember he blamed it on the blamed it yes. on his kid as an excuse to beat him up. So, but yeah, he's like, you've got to take this shit somewhere else before dad comes home. And so he's like, all right. And you'd think they would have taken it upstairs to begin with, but then we wouldn't be able to see it in the movie. <laughs> well, there's that. And Robert's <laughs> drunk, so he's trying to get this girl to go upstairs with him, and she's like, no, I don't want to. And he's like, well, at first, no, you're she kind of goes with him at first, and then as soon as they get, like, off screen, she's, like, dragged, like, she she's kind of running back, like, no! And then then he, he, he gets violent with her. And it's very, it's, this sequence was pretty harsh and, and uh, 
I don't know if convincing is the word, but like impactful where, he, yeah, he just beats her. It's awful. Yeah, he punches her and she sort of falls down and she's trying to get back up and he punches her again. Like he punches her a number of times. Yeah. And then she's what appears to be unconscious, but is actually dead. He has yeah, the, yeah, the, broke her neck or what, but he's beaten her to death. He doesn't realize it at first. His brother does. It's the brother. Yeah, the brother checks her breathing and she's not breathing. Because he's like slapping her ass. He's like, she's fine. Like, get up. You yeah. Know? And he even says to his brother, like, like, do you want to hit this while she's unconscious? Which is, oh. dude, come on. I get, yeah, and like hey, I mentioned again, hey, movie, that... I get it. Dudes are gross. You're right. Yeah, I know. It, <laughs> but let's go. It's that through line I mentioned of like misogyny for sure. And then they 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 decide to go hide the body together. Well, he or, convinces... or, or he make yeah he forces yeah. his brother to to comply in in hiding the body. He's got yeah this he's got this younger milktoast brother who's already a punching bag for his dad. He just saw his brother kill this lady. Obviously, yeah, he wants to call the police, but he gets convinced, you know, and scared by his brother to help him at least take the body out of this room i don't know we don't know what happens as far as where does this body wind up because they get it as far as out of the room yes before nora and arthur come back in which is um, a very sort of sitcom kind of thing it's like oh we gotta get the body out just and then the the other group comes in or maybe that's it, the next time we see them oh, i don't have any more no no we see, any more um, about that so it must not be mr pomeroy we go back to mr pomeroy is this when we go back to him well, it must, we must, I don't have any more 1945 notes, so this must be the last 1945 scene, so we might as well finish, I think up, it is. finish yeah. up that thread. Arthur and Nora come back in, and he's like, Arthur's like, hey, Robert, you were supposed to find Dad, did you find Dad? And he's like, no, I didn't find him. And he's like, okay, you're acting weird, whatever, and goes to leave, and Nora comes in and is like, hey, whose purse is this on the table? It's not my purse. And Arthur Uh-oh. realizes that, like, hold on a second, what did you do? And they get in the argument, and Arthur kind of rolls over and is kind of like, Look, you fucked up, but you go handle it. I'm not going to call the cops on you. Whatever it is you did, you guys go deal with it because dad doesn't need to know about this. I don't want to know about this because I'm leaving soon or whatever. I'm not sticking around this place and getting caught up in your guys' bullshit. So whatever you did, go fucking fix it. (laughs) So this was Robert's sort of first victim. And who knows? Maybe it's maybe as soon as younger brother helps him take this body out to the woods and bury it maybe he he's kills, got like a taste for it now maybe he kills brother then and puts them both in the same hole since that oh yeah yeah we don't see that but that would be my assumption is like well he's the only the person who knows what happened so he needs to go in this hole too yeah exactly yeah and then he moves to california and becomes a serial killer apparently so but that's the right because this is thread. right yeah this all takes place in new york so we well, this is where that, before the last thing actually that happens in 1945 is dad comes home and crashes his car into something in the driveway or a tree or something. And just it almost it's a very strange little shot because they're all standing looking out the window and the headlights are streaming in. But it almost looks like a UFO is outside the house shining lights. Yeah, yeah. It's so <laughs> bright. And they're just sitting there staring outside, which felt very sort of almost I don't know. Like it looked like a weird sort of supernatural thing, but it's not supposed to be. So that was And it was again last... another example of telling and not showing. But that's the last we see of nineteen forty five. Yeah, then we're back in nineteen oh four with Mr. Pomeroy. Pomeroy. Uh, well, William and Frank are sitting at the table. They can hear Mr. Pomeroy going to town on their mom upstairs. Yes. And they don't like it, but they have to just sit there and take it. <laughs> so they're drinking. And then Pomeroy comes downstairs, real strutting his cock of the walk stuff. Like, you know, he's not saying it, but his walk says, I just fucked your mom. 
Yes. <laughs> Which is, <laughs> you know, goes to pour himself a drink and he's talking shit and they've had enough of it. And William and Frank jump him. Yep. William. Well, um, one of them has a hammer and the other is just using his fist. Well, yeah. Frank is beating the shit out of him. No, William's beating the shit out of him. Then Frank comes over with a hammer, the blonde, yes. the blonde guy, and finishes Mr. Pomeroy off with a hammer. And then yes. hands the hammer to William, who, and this was actually shocking. This was actually yeah. like where I went, oh, whoa, what the fuck just happened? Yeah, well, because yeah, I didn't William know that. just, for reasons I still don't really understand, other than maybe he's just snapped and he's crazy now. And then they're looking down at Pomeroy's dead body, and he just very yep. nonchalantly, funk, whacks his brother, stabs his in brother the, in the eye with his hammer. In the socket, yeah, with the claw end, yes. And drops his brother. So he just killed his own brother with his hammer to the eye. And it happened you know so nonchalantly and suddenly that I was like, whoa, what the fuck? I rewound it to be like, make sure I saw that right. You know what I'm wondering? I'm wondering if maybe he did that because he wanted to be able to go, oh, my brother went nuts and killed the guy. I had to kill my brother to sort of cover his tracks. Because I was confused why he killed his brother for sure. I was like, wait, why? They yeah. just killed the guy together. That could be too. But it, so it, that was... it definitely makes you understand why that guy will get older and finally feel like he has gotten his life together. He's got a wife that he loves and a kid yes. who's happy. And then finds out that his baby his sister, sister is sleeping having with affair. his wife. You can see why all that repressed stuff bubbles back up. And he winds up Absolutely, killing his sister yeah. and himself. So it's this, see, there's stuff going yeah, on here. I'm telling you, this movie's you're really, really good. You're making me, you're, I, I, I'll be honest, I did enjoy it. But you're making me want to watch it again. So not with all these little pieces together. And like I said, I want to see this flow chart. You <laughs> I picture you watching this movie with like a conspiracy wall with like all the ribbon, like the <laughs> connecting this person here and that person there. Like that, like that meme of Charlie from It's Always Sunny <laughs> yeah. in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, it's not an actual flow chart. Like, but I had to, you know, I had to do some detective work in my head anyway um and then we go back to that poor daughter who the dad is always showing off yeah that's the end of the 1904 stuff then we're back to 1881 for the last time sweet tack is there and yeah the distraction has worked because out from the the mantle camera swings again and out from there someone creeps out grabs sweet tack from behind and they drag him through the mantle to some room oh, behind it. Wait, 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 wait. Before we go to that, um, they were going to have the daughter demonstrate her quote-unquote psychic abilities, weren't they? Like, this is the first we see, or, like, chronologically, is this not the first instance of, like, fake psychic capabilities? Because I remember that the, the, the uh, I put it, the poor beleaguered daughter has to do a quote-unquote demonstration uh, for the, Mr. Sweet Tack. Was that what that was supposed to be? Yeah, I like, think... Like, my the, daughter can talk to spirits. Yeah, this is probably where she learned the, like, the fake medium stuff. Yes. That she would carry on and use, you know, later on. In and then, yeah, they, they get attacked. And we actually do see the secret room this time, don't we? Eventually, that was supposed yeah, to be... They, they yes. drag him back there, and then there's some business with the mean German mom and Anna sort of cleaning up the dinner table. Yes. And then the camera swings all the mantle finally turns all the way around so that we can see what's behind it. And it's this real red lit sort of sex dungeon looking room where they've got Mr. Sweet Tack on a table knocked yep. out. Dad and brother have their shirts off and you're like, well, okay, what's about this? I don't like where this is going because <laughs> these, we know these people are yes, weird. Yeah. Then they're taking their shirts off, but it's more just so they don't get blood on it. And they start 
pulling his now here's where we get the gold teeth thing that's what the ledger was for people weren't yes. trading them in they were killing people in their house they were killing people room. and they were collecting them yeah and keeping now why would you keep a ledger of that why would you keep evidence i mean i don't know <laughs> for plot uh, reasons here's here's how i re- described that part i said weird transition to the secret room where a man is unconvincingly suffocated Again, there's so many people getting strangled and choked and it never looks real um, before one of his teeth gets plucked out. And that was very much like you see them reach and then it cuts to him like holding out the pliers with the tooth. So that wasn't a a particularly convincing effect either uh, of the pulling of the teeth. Yeah. And the brief little flashes we get out of the sort of the camera angles we're used to from the mounted animal heads the brief little flashes we get to POV from victims and killers. I feel like I wish they either had done that more or not at all. Cause it, happens I, I was so, just going to, yes, I completely agree. So intermittently yeah. that it kind of breaks. Like you've already, it was jarring. Yes. You've established like, this is our setup. Here's our points of view. And we're going to stick You're with completely it. Right. Yeah. For these couple times. And it was either like, either make it like 50, 50 or just take, don't have that at all. Like, cause I completely, point, agree. I completely agree. Yeah. I completely agree with you there. Yeah. I, I, because they, they had, I guess we'd call it a visual language established and then yeah. it, it would be jarring when they would break it. Like, like I said, a um, weird transition to the secret room. Like it, it definitely didn't, it felt like a scene or a moment from another film, which and jarring, now we're jarring might've been what they were going for, but I just feel like, like you said, the visual language is already established. I wish that they had just stuck with that completely yes so we're almost at the end of the movie now aren't we well they've got we see we see the german mom german speaking mom collecting like they bring out his like sort of shoes and pants mr sweet tax and all these gold teeth that they put on this tray uh, (laughs) that they collected and then when the cam when the mantle swings back around into that room and this is actually a pretty good considering the budget considering how sort of cheap everything else has looked this is a pretty decent. Mister Sweetack is chopped into bits, and like his head is. Yes, like, I remember that. Yes, his torso's there, and like the legs over here, and his head is like down by his feet, and it actually looked. I mean, we only see it real quick, and the whole room's tinted red, so that helps cover a lot. Of it was effective, too. yeah. But it looks. You don't see it long decent. enough to poke holes in it. Yeah. yeah. So they've yeah they've chopped this man up, and they're gonna dispose of him. However, so her fa- yeah this family was <laughs> maybe it's worst at the beginning, and has only gotten better since then because this is wild stuff. yeah really yeah yeah oh i definitely oh a frame of reference too it's very much an hh holmes kind of thing yeah, with the bit. guy with that murder house the famous story where that's what he would do he would kill people and then he would collect her valuables wasn't that the whole scheme yeah i don't know we're getting off topic <laughs> no it's... so okay so uh we go back to the, we go back to the 80s yeah and this is sort of the last kind of extended scene is the last scene of the movie in, in 1983 they find the dead cat. Well, she has been sort of cleaning up. Yes. And stumbles across the fact that this mantle can swing open. And so it's swung open. She sees something that we don't see, but it shocks her, whatever it is. And she clearly didn't know that this was even a feature of her home. <laughs> right. And Jay comes in and what she has found is the family cat. Now we see the cat finally, is, but it's a prop. Is, is it's, it's like a, a mangled. Yeah. Mangled is the word I was looking for. Of a bloody hair. You can barely recognize this. And Jay's convinced that, like, oh, it must have got caught. We didn't know that this thing swung open and closed. It must have got caught in there. 
And she's like, no, 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 no. I don't think so. Like it was hidden in there. Of course. I'm not. telling you Nicholas <laughs> did this. And he's like, you're crazy. And there was, it, this, it, there was it, a scene they, earlier when she found out that he had the lighter where he had been out mowing the lawn and had the gas can out. And she's like, go put that stuff away. And he's like, I'm just going to the bathroom and then I'll go back out and mow the lawn. She's like, no, you don't come in the house and leave a gas can and lawnmower outside where this kid can get a hold of it. And he's like, oh my God, you're nuts. But the, the dad is is very negligent. Like he, he he's, his denial is like implausible, especially when it comes to the point with the cat. Well, so she has proven to be correct, but I feel like just as, as a husband, if, if your wife was telling you these things, you might think that maybe she's blowing things out of proportion. <laughs> like, it's true, but what, sides. there's the part where they find the lighter. There's the part where they find the lighter in the kid's room. He's like, oh, I've been looking for that. Like, what is he? It must have got lost in the move. That's ex- like his exact words. Like, the, how does it get lost? And it's like in the kid's room. You know what I mean? Like, that's that lost that's been found and deliberately placed in the child's room. But so then we cut to that night. They have the room set up. They're doing some kind of, I don't know, slumber. They're like camping out in it. Yeah, slumber like party it, or something because they have like party yeah. lights going. And But it's, it's and Lillian got... and the kid sort of camping out on the living room floor. And she leaves to do something. And Jay, or Jay is in there, and then, like, because it's storming outside, so we're getting lightning, and the lights keep going out. Yeah. And there's, during one of those sort of flashes, the the kid is in the door with his Halloween mask on. Yes. And Jay sees him, and when it flashes again, the kid is gone, and he's like, what the hell? And then the kid is somehow on the other side of the room. So he's in, this (laughs) is where it's like, okay, is there supernatural shit going on here, or fucking, is there not? Because... Why did the just kid just fast. teleport across the room? Maybe. Who knows? But he goes to chase the kid off screen and apparently kills himself with a coffee table. I'm not sure what I happened I thought, here. yeah, I was trying to figure out. I, I, well, I think the kid was supposed to have hit him with it because the, there's the part where um, he, he says, Daddy fell. And I don't think that's what happened, obviously. So I think the kid hit him with the table and killed him with the table is what I think happened. Let's he like smashed him with it. Kid is strong. Well, I assume the it, kid it, pushed him or hit him with something, and then he fell through the coffee table. Well, if you look at the table, it's upside down, so it looks like you know what I mean. Like it's looked like it's been flipped over. That could be. I don't know. <laughs> I yeah. Think, either way, think, we don't see it. It's uh, again another yeah, one of those things off, where they tell us. Yeah, it happens yeah. off camera anyway. But yeah, so now Jay is dead. Some somehow from <laughs> indetermined means. <laughs> But and Lillian comes in, and they, here's where again I think this ending is for me anyway was was pretty effective because you didn't see it coming and it's such a sort of downer ending. Yeah, that I I don't know I'm kind of into it. She's like he's like Daddy fell down. And she's like it's okay, come here. And the kid comes over and she's like comforting him. And then she straight up snaps this kid's neck like a fucking. Ninja. And she does it very easily, very easily. Yeah, the way you can just only like, do in movies. <laughs> like yes. You can't actually just whoop, break somebody's neck like that. But yeah, she gives yeah, him the no, old-fashioned and, and the sound twist. is very light, yeah. And snaps his the, uh, the, the one thing that totally deflated that sequence for me was they had one of those rainbow lighting ball things. I don't even know how to describe it. It's almost like a disco ball. Like from Spencer's Gifts, lit. yeah. Yeah, it, it, what the, that was a definitely an odd choice. That, that was some of the only lighting in the sequence. So it was very sort of distracting out of place for me. So she breaks his neck and then she tucks him in with a blanket and then the dad with the blanket. Yeah, she kind of, yeah, she drags dad over. So they're all sort of in one place. 
yeah. amongst the blankets and the sofa, which are all very combustible, <laughs> and leaves the room, comes back in with that can of gas that they had a discussion the about, can, yeah. and the lighter, and douses them, and then herself. Yep. And then the final shot of the movie is, and this is the one time that I thought that it was effective and cool and worked, is as she's flicking the lighter and trying to get it to go. Um, yeah, wicked, wicked. Yeah, this this shot, this point of view shot works for me. It's her after she's doused herself, and it's her looking at the lighter. She's trying to, and it's flick, 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 and she can't get the lighter to go. And then, woof, it goes, and everything goes up in flames. And that's the end of the movie. She yeah. burns her. She like she's like this. This family bloodline ends needs tonight. to end. <laughs> yes. And here's my opportunity. Like the kid killed the kid killed my husband. My other my baby that was on the way is already gone. So it's just me left. Let's all go it's to a hell. very Let's dark all go ending, to hell yeah. tonight. You know. Yeah. And also the end of the house because presumably because they're kind of out in the boonies. Yes, uh, the definitely. The fire department's not going to get there anytime soon. So she's probably. If if the house if it's the house that's cursed, we're burning that motherfucker down too. So she's taking <laughs> care of everything in one fell swoop, and it's yeah, it's dark and fucked up. But I like the ending, especially works really well for me because you don't see it coming, and I think it it just wraps it up nice. Well, you know, it's horrifying, right? Like uh, I find people can be really sensitive about content and horror movies sometimes, and and me, my question is always like, was it horrifying? And if it was horrifying, I'm kind of like, then then it worked, it did its job. So, like I mentioned, there there's some pretty there there's a that one sequence that was particularly effective. That that one being, and it's awful, and you don't want to see a woman being beaten. But like, if you're making an impact, you don't want people to just watch it and be like. Yeah, that's that that's happening, you know, the, the indifferent to what's going on in the movie. Yeah, you shouldn't be comfortable seeing something like that. If if you exactly. are, then you have filmed it incorrectly. Which is always yes. the thing with like rape scenes in movies. Like if a rape scene yes. in a movie is sexy, holy shit, did you come at it the wrong way? It shouldn't yes, be sexy. Absolutely. It should be horrible no, to be look at. Uncomfortable and, not, and you know something you don't want to see. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah. So that's the movie. I don't know, man. It works for me. I'd, I'd give it. Yeah. I'd give it like a three out of five stars for me. Like really like it, enough of it. It's an interesting enough approach to how to do it as far as how it looks and how it's shot. Cause again, yeah. I've never seen a movie like this before. That's like a stage play, well, you know, but also a found footage film and like, but not a found footage film. Cause they're not. And that's totally animal fair. Like, <laughs> I say this to people a lot um, when I talk about what I like in movies. If I see something I haven't seen before, then I'm more inclined to give a movie credit. So I totally understand where you're coming from with that. It just didn't grab me like a, and like I said, it, it, it was it was a bit hard to follow. And like, it, so I may, you know what, maybe on a second watch, like I said, you, you're maybe turning me a bit around on it. I wouldn't be as charitable as three stars. I had maybe one or two, <laughs> no, but uh, maybe may, just me. If somebody, yeah, yeah. Gave it one and said they hated it. They'd be like, I understand. If somebody gave it five and said, oh, no, this is a genius piece of New York artwork masterpiece, I'd be like, you know what? I get it. I understand. But I'm right there in the middle where, like, I see its flaws. I see that it's cheap. I see that they were stuck within the confines of what they had to work with. But I think given what they had to work with, they made something that to me is really intriguing in its structure and intriguing in its presentation in a way that I haven't seen before ever, which is worth yeah, big, you're totally... big bonus points. So yeah, for me, not great, but good. 
That's I, I still kind of wish there was uh, um, something like because the, the the title of the movie very much gives you a sense that the moose head is going to be more significant than than it was. You know what I mean? Like it's it's I guess it's sort of the silent witness to all of this stuff. Yeah, and that's uh, that's sort of the connective tissue. Yeah, because it's sort of our main. We have a couple others, but it's our main point of view. It's you know this is all the shit this object has witnessed as you know, like as, if these walls could talk you know if, if this moose head could talk and when you, it would tell you a family history that's and when you up. think about it we're re-watching this movie we're like the moose head because we're watching it through the moose's eyes sure man <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the movie yeah so that was that's our thoughts the on moose head on the mantle over is it moose head over the mantle is that what it's called it is the moose head over the mantle Right, yes. That's the name of it. Also a wolf head and a deer head, but mostly it. So now we've had an interesting, I'm glad, because the first episode you did, you liked that movie quite a bit more than I did. Yes, I did. And now we're the opposite. I like this quite a bit more, (laughs) so we're evened out now. It's like, yeah, we're we're neck and neck. We'll have to see what happens with the next one. Well, it is that time in the episode, speaking of next ones, for me to press the magic button and see what my movie for next week chosen completely at random from everything streaming will be pressing the magic button right now come on there we go next week's movie is <laughs> what is this too close to home from 1997 it is on tubi it appears to be a lifetime movie oh no starring ricky schroeder and oh. the mom from who's the boss so no way judith light yeah uh ripped from the headlines kind of my mom is crazy. Oh, so that's that's gonna be a good one. Probably gonna be like it's gonna be very entertaining. I'm sure. <laughs> nice. We'll find out. Yeah. So that's. Everybody's. I'll have to. I'll have to. I'll definitely have to tune into that episode and then watch it myself. That's everybody's homework. Too close to home from 1997 on Tubi. Sir, where can people find you? Uh, I'm at bipolar Andrew Two uh, on Twitter. You can find me at, Bi- at Bipolar Andrew on Twitter as well, but I'm going to be getting rid of that account eventually. So, uh, yeah, just on Twitter for now. And then do you still have any kind of active YouTube anything going or no? Not right now. I'm, I'm kind of figuring out what I'm going to be doing with all that stuff. So uh, you'll be one of the first people to know, I'm sure. But uh, not, not in this episode. <laughs> all right. I am uh, at Heath Lambert 78 on Twitter. The show is That's So Random P2. The show has an email address, that's so random pod at gmail.com for all of your complaints and grievances and wonderful praise and nice things you have to say as well. Uh, artwork for the show by Joe Humphrey, who is at Mr. Joe Humphrey on Twitter. Go check out all of his beautiful pieces of work. And anything else? No, I, think... I don't think so. All right. Well, that was a lot of fun. All right. We will see everyone next week. Goodbye.